Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Father Faithful, it's Matty Kewum, and welcome to episode 20 of The Game Plan. You heard me right, this is episode 2-0, and boy, oh boy, do I have a fantastic show lined up for this special occasion. For the first time in Game Plan history, I will be welcoming a very, very, very spectacular guest and we are talking about trading in Dynasty. Wink, I should give away a little bit of a hint for you on who my guest is going to be. Basically, I, I am just so excited. I can't wait any longer. So let's get into the episode and start game planning for our Dynasty Leagues, baby. Gang, allow me to introduce my guest for today's show. He is a senior analyst for Player profiler he is the undisputed prince of atlanta he he is the author of the weekly article the infirmary report and the captain of the player profiler instagram you've seen his face on our underground tiktoks and you've seen him as the co-host of trade gods that's right hold on ladies and gents because i'm talking about my man jason allwine what's going on jay dude what an intro thanks Listen, player profiler, Maddie, Matt Kelly is the godfather of intros, so yes. I had to do right by him and get us a banging intro for such a spectacular guest. Thank you so much for joining the game plan. What's going on? How's everything in your dynasty leagues? Oh, uh, you know, got, it's going well. Had a had a fun interaction on my tra- trying to trade last night, but, you know, yes. we all have, you know, little, little stories when, mm-hmm. when you're trying to make some discussions happen. Uh and right now, I'm lucky enough to be talking to you from Roger Goodell's basement. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's not in there anymore. You know, he's he can be out and about. We're no longer dealing with the uh, the COVID restrictions, so I'm glad you were able to sneak on in and and produce a show straight from there. That's pretty cool. I'm not gonna. Lie. Yeah, That's awesome. I think he'll be back in maybe like 42 minutes. So. Okay, so we have 41 <laughs> minutes to complete this episode. So let's get to cracking. Let's dive in. So today I brought Jason on because we're talking trade. If you if you rock with us, if you rock with me, then you know about Trade Gods. He is my co-host on that show where we talk trades. So I wanted to get into trade philosophy, and then we're going to talk a little bit about game planning on buying superstars in Dynasty. But before we do, i got to bombard you. I always like to blindside my guests with a certain question. I say always, like I do it all the time. This is the very first time. So get ready, future guests. <laughs> Tell everyone listening how long you've been playing fantasy and what would be your team building, your general manager style? I started playing when I was really young, like, like you know, like third grade. 
like yeah. just joined like my dad's league, but probably took a break there up until like freshman year of high school. So 10 years at least at this point. And uh, you know, just, I love it. Yeah. Steadily, you know, getting better and better learning mm-hmm. lessons. And, you know, I started dynasty two years ago, started full dynasty two okay. years ago. Um, and, and yeah, uh, I would, I would generally put my, my style at, uh, <laughs> I, I guess, um, free flowing. I go with the wind. <laughs> okay. I like that. So I think that's a very, very advantageous general manager style because dynasty leagues, uh, you know, it's just loaded with ups and downs and twists and turns. And if mm-hmm. you're rigid in your style, sometimes it's hard to truly take advantage of, you know, buying opportunities, selling opportunities, things of that nature. So we're going to tackle all that today. We're going to do trade philosophy, trade theory 101 with my man, Jason. So let's get right into it first question to get this whole conversation started is basically what is your general trading philosophy like how do you go about it what kind of stays in your mind throughout the season yeah i mean i think just the most important thing to do when trading is to communicate with your trade partner so Mm -hmm. if there's a player you want go message that owner Uh, it's rarely a good idea to send out blind offers unless you know Mm -hmm. you're overpaying you know if you're sending out a blind overpay that should be fine. Um, or if you send, you know, a blind offer and then like kind of say, hey, this is what I was thinking, yada, yada, yada. But either way, you need to you need to communicate with these people uh, to, to get trades done for sure. So Yeah. So you don't like shooting from the hip? I, I mean, I do it. I do it. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, I feel like those offers get completely ignored in our community, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially yeah. if they're not close or anything. And I don't know. It's hard enough to get trades done. So mm-hmm. it's, it's always nice to kind of at least figure out where the uh, other side is is sitting at with a certain player see i'm i'm a little bit of the opposite in that uh when i do shoot from the hip i call it shotgun offers they're just mm-hmm. i'm just blasted from the hip i yep. do that blind i don't ask them about anything i just throw it out there yep. expecting it denied and then we'll go from there because yep. if you happen to catch a fish and they bite a little bit you can kind of tug on the reel and you can start getting them in and, and then i'll start dialogue but i don't like to waste uh you know other managers time if i'm going to kind of give them a crappy offer if I know it's like right. an obvious buy window or an obvious sell window, I'll kind of just shoot from the hip, see if we can get things started. But it's not always that way. So that, I'm kind of different in that approach. Now, my general trading philosophy is I don't think you need to, quote, unquote, win every trade. I think, yes. me personally, I am willing to pay a price that I feel is fair, even if I have to, quote, unquote, overpay. Uh, I'm okay with doing that. I understand value in, a, in you know, if being a successful fantasy manager obviously value is always in the forefront of your mind yeah. but sometimes uh, i think that some general managers they forget that even trades are competitive uh yeah. winning a trade is a little mini matchup it doesn't win you a trophy but it does kind of get the juice flowing. it's a it's a little bit of a um i don't know like i said it, it is competitive uh for instance jason and i were talking right before we started the show and uh you know i was in a bidding war for the 101 and i lost i hate losing even when it comes to trade so sometimes yeah i'm willing to go a little bit uh you know george steinbrenner i mean i am a little i am okay to kind of go a little jerry jones kind of go you know a little overpay like do what i gotta do to win the trade so not win the trade but win the the trade battle between other members of the league and get the player for the asset that i want uh so i am not okay i'm I'm pretty okay overpaying if the situation is suited and sometimes you have the surplus and in that case i'm willing to overpay you know if you have 
five good quarterbacks over the course of a few years, where in, in a, even in Superflex, and you want to package one, that's the move to make. So that's kind of my overall uh, trade philosophy. So that's your trade philosophies. Going with the flow, kind of, uh, you know, talking it over, messaging uh, the other team builder, not necessarily shooting from the hip, giving them a chance to kind of get lay the groundwork of maybe where you may go with it. And I love that. I think that's definitely great information. But how would you describe your trade style? So you have your philosophy, but then how is like, okay. you know, some words to describe your style? No, uh, actually, same as you. I, I love overpaying. I don't. I don't I don't care if I lose a trade. If I get the player I want, then that's all I care about. You can only start a certain amount of players. Who cares who's on your bench? Who cares? Uh, I would much rather go get a stud and my bench be filled with players like Zonovan Knight, who eventually I'll start anyway. Mm -hmm. So, And I think that that's, that's an important thing to remember in fantasy football, that depth is nice to have. It is nice to plan for the worst. But, I mean, like if you can go get a Justin Jefferson yep. or just any superstar, spend that money man you'll 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 figure it out you'll, you'll go pick up someone and it'll 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 work itself out it always does by the way i love the tease because we are talking later on the show about buying superstars in dynasty so three three words that i like to use to describe my trading style is i'm patient i do not like to do because i also don't like that method where if someone sends you a trade offer 10 minutes later like what do you think and you're like i'm thinking about it and a half hour later so did you think about it it's like yeah I'm thinking about it, but my process, you know, I'm going to playerprofile.com. I'm using the trade analyzer. Yeah. I'm looking at our dynasty rankings. I'm looking at the underlying metrics to see if I find any anomalies, any red flags, or any encouraging indicators. I need my time. So I like to be patient when I'm also setting up a trade. I am yeah. fair. I am absolutely fair. There is never a time in which I will uh, – put a trade offer out there or accept or get a trade offer and then instantly start, you know, talking shit, getting all angry. I like to keep it fair, which yeah. leads into the last way I describe my training style, which is pleasant. I like to be pleasant. You know, if the guy, you know, for instance, in one of my dynasty leagues in which I did not get the one-on-one when I bid quite a bit for it, I didn't mm -hmm. tell him to go F himself. I didn't tell him it was a terrible trade that he made. You know, I said, thank you for giving the opportunity in hopes that the next time he makes an asset available, he keeps me in mind. Because yeah. I think at the end of the day, when you build these bridges with people you're playing yeah. in leagues with, you want them to let you get the final say. And that's something I'll also always do in trades is if I know that someone's putting an asset available that multiple teams will start biting after and start trying to go after, I'll ask them, like, listen, man, can you just do me the courtesy uh, of just coming to me when you have an offer you like? Give me a chance to top it. If I don't, that's great. But, you know, I'll always give you that 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 type of uh, pleasantry, I, I try to get it back. So those are the three ways I describe myself as patient, fair, and pleasant when making right. trades. Cause I think you catch more bees with honey than you do vinegar. Is that the saying? I think that's the saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the saying. So we're talking about philosophy, we're talking about style, but now let's talk about the pillars of your, of those things, of your philosophy, of your trade style. So what are some of your trade principles, things that you think other people should use? So maybe some rules. So maybe Jason Allwine trading rules. Yeah, um, I guess the first thing is, I mean, we've both talked about overpaying. I, I like to start my offers with generally an overpay, or at least what I think is more than fair to a certain okay. degree. Um, I might go even further than that. But, you know, I figure out what's fair. I look at my roster. I look at the other team's needs. That's important. Figure out what That is important. Well. Yep. Um, and then I, you know, I figure it out. Say they're quarterback needy and I'm more wide receiver needy. I might send them, you know, one of my better quarterbacks and maybe even just a depth wide receiver. So they get something back. If I get the, you know, the stud wide receiver, something like that. I usually try to keep 
if I'm trading for a wide receiver. I like to at least have a wide receiver in the trade. Usually that's the one that's the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. Um, just, and then uh, I also make sure, for the most part, if I get an offer that I hate or decline or just any kind of <laughs> distaste for it, I message the, the person who sent it back why I declined it. Um, even if it's just something as simple as I'm just not shopping that player right now or not interested in that player. I just, I mean, it takes 30 seconds to just say right. why it was declined. Right. And then, they, I mean, then they know, then they can maybe send a better offer or mm-hmm. they can give up altogether. Um, but I mean, that's, that's kind of where I stand when I'm trying to get a trade done. So two, two of your principles, I kind of want to unpack a little bit. Cause I, I, I definitely think they're worth talking about first is how, what, which, what's the kind of the reasoning why you like to start high with an offer as opposed to a low ball offer. Cause you know, typical, nego- typical negotiations is you never put your best offer on the board instantly. So what, what's kind of your thinking behind, is it, is, do you catch bigger fish with better bait? What, what's your thoughts there? Like, how do you break that down? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll low ball certainly, but that's more so for the fringe players. Like mm. I'll low ball for depth players, but I'm not trying to waste people's times when I'm getting these gotcha. good players, you know? So if right. I'm offering for somebody really good, I'm going to start with my lowest best offer. That's still an overpay. Fair. You know, like I, I usually still have room to grow, but I do think that it'll make the opposing owner, the other GM, more open to negotiating if they see a, at least a respectable offer to begin with. Okay. So you, th- all right, that makes sense. So you're letting the other person know that you mean business. So if you're going after Justin Jefferson, you're not throwing out some offer where they're like, this guy is just taking a bunch of his bench crap, putting it in tinfoil yeah. and telling me it's gold. You're going to go out there. Listen, I'm serious. Here's the players, but boom, let's start talking here. Yeah. Okay. No, that definitely makes a whole lot of sense because uh, one of my principles is actually never start with your best offer. So I kind of take the uh, not not the opposite approach. I'm pretty much with you. You got to let people know that you're serious about an offer. But I hear this phrase a ton. Why would I make that trade? And I and I always tell myself it's not my job to help you decide what you want to do. It's my job to put a trade out there. And if you tell me it's bad, well, then I'll have to up it if I want to get serious. So I don't like to put my best trade for it. I actually did get in a bad, a bit of a, a back and forth one time in one of my leagues where like, uh, I don't think that's right. And it's like, Hey, you can believe what you believe. I don't like to start with my best offer. I like to leave multiple assets on my, you know, in my back pocket. So when I'm at the seat of the negotiation table, all of a sudden, we feel like we're stuck in the mud. Boom. I dropped this and like, Oh, okay. Now you made that available. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. All right. Yeah. So that makes sense. So I, I like what you're, I like uh, what you're saying here. And I think I'm going to take that and practice that a little bit more that when I'm trying to make a big splash, don't t- come weak, come correct early so that it gets them even thinking about it. Because if you're making an offer, let's say at a Josh Allen, mm-hmm. if you give them some, you know, goofball offer, they're ne- they're probably not even going to negotiate in good faith they're probably going to sit there and be like this dude ain't serious this guy, yeah. you're, you're coming to me you're going to come to me for josh allen and this is what you're going to give me so i kind of like that approach i think that's something uh, i think i'm going to i'm going to put in my back pocket and start using it in my leagues uh so yeah. i like that i like that a lot some yeah. of my trade principles i'd love to hear your thoughts on it uh always i like to always ask the price tag of a player before i send an offer um, just something as simple as what would it take to move this guy? And usually you, the answer you get back isn't what's important. It's just making sure there's some sort of basis where you're not completely overpaying. You don't, the, the worst yeah. thing I, I, I get, or the worst thing that can happen is I send an offer and they hit. Yeah, of course. 
and you're like, ooh, did I, could I have could yeah. I have given up a, a second rounder instead of a first? Could I have given up a fourth round? You know what I mean? It just starts getting those those negative Nancy thoughts in your head going. So I like to ask, what's the price tag? What are you looking for? Yeah. Are you looking for something else? And usually, sometimes, you know, that's at least letting them know, like, oh, my man is going to he's going to send an offer or something. Yeah. And now I think get after talking with you, I think I'll ask the price tag. And I think I'm going to be coming, even if I don't get the answer of a price tag, just more of a general, like he's available, send an offer. Well, then maybe the next, this time, instead of sending something that's kind of on the weak side, maybe I'll beef it up a lot, a, a little bit to, to let them know, you know, I'm serious. Um, the, my next principle is do not never. This is one of my absolutes. If you take one thing from this show, listeners, take okay. this. Do not talk shit about who you're trying to acquire. Don't do it. I yeah. am in too many leagues where they'll, who, what do you want for Travis Kelsey? I'm not trading Travis Kelsey because of blah, 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 blah. Well, Travis Kelsey, did you not know he's not even that good? Like he, he's, he's only been tight end one overall three times this year. Uh, he's, you know, he's 33 years old and he's going to be bad next year. It's like, then why do you want him? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> do you ever come across that in any of your leagues? No, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's annoying. It's like, yeah, why are you why are you trying to acquire this player if you if you recognize the bad things and obviously they're just trying to talk you down when there's no point for it. Just be honest, be like, dude, look, I mean, I think you can say it in some way just like, hey, look, I understand that he's only had three three number one finishes, but I also yeah. accept that it's more about consistency or whatever, you know, like right. he was still top 10 pretty much every week and all of this stuff and but, you know, he's 32. I could see him fall off a cliff. I'm willing to pay up, but I also don't want to pay too much. And then, I, I you know, I feel like you, you could be nuanced with it, but yeah. most people aren't. Most people aren't. They're just trying to they're trying to water you down. <laughs> right. And so are you a type of negotiator or, or trader in your league? Do you like to give not a backstory, but do you like to send some information with your offer? I know guys who are very successful in some of my leagues where they'll put a trade out there and they'll say like, Hey, this is this player. You may not know this, but with the new quarterback, he's actually played with them last year. Do you like to have some of the back uh, information in, in the talks or is that kind of like you leave that for the other team manager to figure out? Um, I think I probably use that more as like a defense mechanism. Like if they're like, Hey, that offers bad, or I don't really want that player. And then I'm like, hold on now. Like, you know, like I, he's doing this yada, yada, yada. But I, I, I hope for the most part that the other people in my league are, are kind of understanding of players values, but I, that isn't always the case. For sure. No, I completely understand. And, and every league's different. Uh, you know, your home league with your buddies, you're going to have, uh, more characters, let's say, you know, people that kind of do things a little wildly, where if you're in a league that's, you know, maybe more uh, competitive, where everyone's kind of on the same page, it's probably we're all kind of operating with the same mindset. It might not yeah. come time for all that stuff. But I want to talk about what Robster in the chat said. He said, asking what the price tag isn't probably as effective as asking, would you value this player as a one or two first rounders? And I really like that concept. That's actually something I'm going to take. So thank you, Robster. Because I, that may be asking the price tag could be a tad vague. So maybe putting some context to it. Hey, would a young receiver interest you in moving this player? Hey, would a couple of draft yeah. picks and a player get you to think about moving that player? So I think I like that. That does make a whole lot of sense. So shout out to Robson in the chat. Yeah. Next question I would like to ask you in your trade philosophies. This is Trade Theory 101 after I'll step in, write down, get your notebooks out, ladies and gents. What is your process for trades in the offseason versus during the season? I think 
in general, it's it's harder to trade in season. It's, I mean, it's very nice for buying low. You can mm-hmm. buy low a lot easier in in season, but you can't necessarily buy high. I feel like once the games actually kick off, people are fairly locked into their lineups. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit, especially in Dynasty, uh, it's a little bit more difficult to get stuff done. Like there are a few times I tried to trade for players and they're like, huh, he's not on the table because I'm still, you know, trying to win the league, you know, and like mm-hmm. he's important for me getting this championship, which I understand. Justin Jefferson was one of them, uh, you know, right. and it's just like that. And he ended up winning the league because he had Justin Jefferson. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a lot of champions this year with Justin Jefferson, although yeah. in the championship matchup, my boy got shut down by Yair Alexander. Yeah. So. He did. Maybe he didn't he did. win a lot of championships, but he was certainly in a lot of championships. Yeah, good point. Good point. But still, so I think in the off season is when I'm trying to acquire the big players because I think just in general, managers are going to be more willing to trade mm-hmm. off their superstars because they have a whole off season to work out the kinks. Whereas in season, they only have a week to do it. So for the most part, I feel like in season, I'm trading for bench players that I think will get, get better or maybe injured players. Uh, stuff like that, and then in the off season is more when I'm trying to acquire the studs. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly completely agree with you. Um, which uh, it's interesting too, because if you look at the patterns of the actual team builders, you know the guys, the GMs, the executives in the NFL, mm-hmm. that's kind of the pattern that they use. They will make trades. I mean, it's not really a big trading league, the NFL, but you know yeah. if you're a baseball fan like I am, you also know the trading deadline of baseball can get hectic. But it's the same philosophy. In the season, you're looking for specific needs that fit particular value pockets we're in the offseason you can shoot for the stars you can go for the superstar because you have time to lay groundwork and all that stuff but one part of uh, one little uh, tidbit that i want to add to the offseason aspect of making trades in dynasty is the nfl is unique in that their offseason they have like chapters i like to call it so for example like the senior bowl is coming up that's a chapter then the combine it's a chapter the draft is a chapter, and then you have, you know, rookie camps is a chapter. So they have these chapters, these these opportunities, these chances to really take advantage of buying windows. All of a sudden, the Senior Bowl produces two or three skill position players that pop. All of a sudden, that second rounder you've been holding has a little bit more value. All of a sudden, that late first is a little bit more juicier, so you can take advantage if you're looking to move that for an established player. Or the combine happens, and all of a sudden, this quarterback falls flat on his face, and now we're talking about him getting drafted in the third round as opposed to the first. And you're sitting there with the 106, and you're saying to yourself, ooh, maybe I should trade for a quarterback that I know is a starting league, even if he doesn't have that necessary value bump that a rookie would, because now I'm looking at maybe a wide receiver at the 106, not another quarterback. So these chances, these chapters align. So that's why I like trading in the offseason. But in season, you hit the nail on the head. You can take advantage of a guy who had a bad week. You can sell high on a guy who had a great week. There's these ebbs and flows of the the week to week aspect of of football that you can absolutely take advantage of. So I like that there. So that's kind of going to wrap up the trade theory 101. Unless you have anything that you'd like to touch upon in terms of the big picture trade stuff, the floor uh, is yours, man. You are the first guest in game plan history, baby. Yeah, let me see. I yeah, I think the only thing I wanted to talk about. It was a, just a kind of a meta discussion, uh, mm-hmm. if, if, if you don't mind putting it in now or whatever. No, no, but right I, now. What are no you, better time I, than the present. This, I feel like, is a little bit of a controversial subject, uh, and especially in like the, the like serious community, is I keep hearing it a lot. And it's people afraid of overexposure to certain mm-hmm. players, or to players in general. And uh, I like to overexpose myself. 
Pause. 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 You can't be saying that on my show, man. I am. You can't be talking about how you have to overexpose yourself to the masses right now, my man. <laughs> I'm doing it. I just, well, there's a, there's a layer to it. I think yeah. like if you are someone who analyzes the game at a high level, mm-hmm. has players you really, really like, you yeah. should not cut bait on those players. You, because if you're right, you, you've done a great job and all of those players have that increased in value and you have them on all your squads. It's, I feel like it's limiting ceiling essentially. If you, in some leagues are just like, well, I have him in another league. I don't need him here. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's a great thing to bring up. And that's also the difference between volume drafters and, you know, somewhere below that. Uh, because yeah. me, I, I don't use that term at all. I do not use the term overexposure because I want good players. And right. if I can have, if I have 100% portfolio of Justin Jefferson, I'm not going to take that as a bad thing. But I do understand the the thought process if you're a super volume drafter and you got a ton of leagues to That's keep fair. yourself alive in other aspects. Because if there is an injury to a massive player, if you have 100% exposure to Christian McCaffrey, he goes down for the season. Now a lot of your teams might be sunk. But I don't play in enough leagues where that is my thought process. Because my thought process is if he goes down, I can pivot. I can make moves. I, I don't have... I don't have so many leagues in which I can't make trades. Uh, I think there are people out there who do so many leagues that they can't make trades. They don't have the time in a given 24-hour day to offer trades and make these trades in their 1,000 leagues. I don't play in that many leagues, so I like to keep it – You know, I play in a fair share. Don't get me wrong. I play in a whole bunch of leagues, but I don't play in enough leagues where it's like, ah, I can't pivot. Ah. You know, I'm kind of stuck now or whatever. So I think yeah. that, that that's a great concept. And for I think it makes sense, I guess, for volume drafters. But for your casual yeah. guy, you know, playing gamers out there, if you're not in thousands of leagues, hundreds of leagues, all that crazy stuff. I, yeah, I, overexposure is a myth, in my opinion, because I want yeah. the player that's good. And you know yeah. what? If I have a sleeper, like, for instance, uh, a guy that I was – so high on this time last year, Christian Watson, I actually didn't have much exposure because I just felt like, you know, I don't want to grab him everywhere. Well, guess what? Right. I wish I had him everywhere. Wish right. I had him everywhere. Yeah, and that's that, that's how it works. And I Be mean, strong I think, with your convictions. Yeah, exactly. Be strong with your convictions. Harry Snowman brings up it's the idea, the idea of diversification of portfolios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good if you want to have steady growth and just a nice floor. But if you're trying to capitalize on ceiling and have the best stuff, and like the best portfolio, it's maximizing the best investments. And mm-hmm. so if you like for me last season, a, a player I had 100% exposure on because I loved his value was Devontae Smith. Um, I, I had to get him everywhere. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to. Um, and then I guess one, I wish I kind of, you you bring up the Christian McCaffrey injury. Like if you expose yourself to, jeez, <laughs> if you have a lot of Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> you have yeah, a lot well, of guess McCaffrey. what? Christian McCaffrey's a handsome. Maybe I will. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to go there in the show. Well, actually, I guess that's not a good example because he got traded. But essentially, if you are getting a bunch of one player, plan ahead. Like I drafted mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette and Scott Fishbowl, so I drafted Rashad White early. Right. Just to make sure I had Rashad White if anything happened to Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. And just kind of, you should just, you know, plan ahead because I think for most of us, our process is I like this offense and I like this, uh, I guess, position that this person has in mm-hmm. this offense. And so, right. I mean, if you have their backup, the handcuff, it's not, it's not anything new, but it's just if if you're if you're strong on a player get that player everywhere and if you're wrong you're wrong but playing ahead absolutely so anything else you want to tackle in terms of the trade theory 101 topic nah okay okay fair (laughs) enough we're gonna keep this train moving so 
that was more of a big picture conversation, a nice yeah. back and forth between the trade yeah. gods. But now I want to get into the weeds. I want to get into the nitty gritty. I want to walk our listeners through the process of something in Dynasty. And today, that is going to be buying a superstar in the offseason. So my man, Rob the Harry Snowman in the chat, he asks, would you offer the 2023-101 for Justin Jefferson? Yes. I would as well. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind. Give me Justin Jefferson. Bijan, generational talent. But Justin Jefferson is a Hall of Fame projected talent. He is right. someone now who's had three insanely successful seasons. Um, I want to say on during uh, player profile today, some point this week, Jack mentioned that he already has the most receiving yards for the first four years of any wide receiver. He's only played for three. That's how good he's been. That's how dominant uh, he's been. So, yes, I would absolutely do wow. that. And anyone in the chat, if there is a particular superstar that you're interested in, yeah. put him in the chat, and then we'll talk about it because we're going to have some trade targets here in a minute. But first, let's talk about more of the philosophical components of buying a superstar in Dynasty, particularly in the off season, We both mentioned it, that it's easier to go after a player mm-hmm. in the off season. So let me just ask, is it better? Well, let me just, we've made the point. It is better to go after a superstar in the off season as opposed to during the season. And the reason being, you have, op- I think, and I think we've kind of touched upon it, but now I'm just going to straight say it. Value in the off season is perception. It's not reality. It's not tangible. You can't say he's wide receiver X. You can't say he's scored X amount of points in the last five weeks. There's nothing tangible there. It's all it's all fugazi. It's fairy dust. It's, it's all that. It's all perception. It's what people think and feel about a player. So that leaves you opportunities to go ahead and get these players. Anything you'd like to add on why it's just so beneficial or so much easier to get a superstar in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, it's... Kind of what we talked about earlier is, you know, the owners that own these players can then, you know, figure it out, work out the kinks of now they're missing roster spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's just better to do it that way. And again, overpay. Just don't be afraid to do it. If there's someone you want, just go get them. You now have an entire offseason to worry about your depth and, and everything. And another point I'd like to add, we've talked about it on Trade Gods. Uh, draft night is especially great for grabbing superstars because... You know, they trade them for a pick and then some, and they think that they're getting the replacement right away with said pick mm-hmm. when you know, they're probably not. And then you're getting that stud with, you know, with no chance. You don't have to take any chances. So, um, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and to piggyback on what you said about overpaying, I, I think it's, it's definitely a great point for people listening to, to kind of keep in the back of their head. You can deplete quote unquote your bench or even a few starters because now you have time to then replace those guys. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of these trade conversations, it happens around that one specific trade. And in that discussion, you often hear, oh, well, I don't want to trade, you know, my 2024 first. There's the value is too good there. Well, if you do it now, you have all of this time to then go get another 24 first later. If you want the player, get it now. So let me ask you this. What are some of your general thoughts? We talked about why we like trying to go after superstars in the offseason, but what are some additional you know, general thoughts on acquiring a, a superstar? I mean, I, do it as much as possible. Right, obviously. Stud players are great. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, that, that's kind of my thoughts. Do it as much as possible. Go get anyone. You, you hear someone's on the market, go do it. I, I mean, I would even put your half superstars on the market. 
or you know like the people who are rising a lot who you know maybe could get better like daniel jones is tony pollard's that kind of tier mm-hmm. um and use them to leverage yourself into you know the patrick Mahomeses of the world the saquon barclays of the world try to get those players off of your people who have taken a big leap oh for sure i, I agree with that and I-, I believe that it's good process to get superstars regardless of your team's projection so i yeah. think if you're rebuilding Getting superstars, exploit that process. And I think Mm -hmm. if you're contending, obviously that will help your team win now, getting superstars. Do you have any thoughts on if you're a rebuild, do you try to shy away from making big trades involving superstars as opposed to contender? Because obviously contending, you're going to go for it. But in rebuilds, are you still okay at going after a Justin Jefferson, a Jamar Chase? You know, big ticket players that are going to cost a lot of assets that you've theoretically started to build up in your rebuild. Uh. I personally, and I probably should have brought this up in my philosophy, but I say screw it to rebuild and always go for that championship. So always go for Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Do whatever yeah. it takes. You will figure it out. We are we were all starting Zonovan Knight by the end of the season. We were all starting Samaj P. Ryan for a few weeks. You can make your roster work. It's mm-hmm. not gonna be super special um, or look that appealing, but you're gonna you can get points anywhere. And if you if just go get go get the people that you can lock in and and worry about the rest later no that's you know and like like this this is how i'm going to kind of break it down more specifically you have a treasure chest of 23 picks you know you've seen the class from a mile away there's really good players at all positions there's even a really good tight end prospect uh, at the in the back end of the first round early part of the second in rookie draft so there's a lot of talent to be had but let's just say someone feels like they don't need Justin Jefferson and they'd rather have a treasure chest of picks. And if you've been rebuilding all season, are you okay now taking a handful of those picks and getting a superstar or do you want to keep, you know, work on depth kind of I think, broaden your roster? I think that I would have to wait for draft day. Like if I've got that many picks, I think I've got to see who's available at each pick. Um, and, and trade when I'm on the clock. And hopefully I'm in a slow drafting league. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I need some time. I need time to generate yeah. this thing. Yeah. And Harry Snowman brings up a great point in the chat that, you know, we can always, you know, go bargain bin shopping. Obviously, mm-hmm. we love that on this show. But it's tough to do that. But I think if you're willing to put in the quote-unquote work, uh, I like to refer to that term for fantasy, put in the work, which is just kind of goofy because we're all just having fun. It's a game. Uh, it's not really work work. But if you're willing to make the trade offers and you're willing to incrementally get better, you know, trade for a guy who's further down the depth chart, but you have faith. You know, you go to playaprofile.com. You yep. know they have a good burst score. You know that they've had good true yards created per touch in their limited off, you know, sample size. And you're willing to put in the work to get those players. I think that's a way to kind of – layer your squad with superstars and also kind of backload it where like you mentioned band Knight a couple of times if yeah. you just had him on your roster all of a sudden you could either flip him you could use him if you would have had jamal williams on your roster going into the season you didn't think you had anything and you had a damn near wide you had a running back too basically all season long so yeah i'm of the philosophy that if superstars get presented in a in a possible trade go for them we're all, regardless where you are in your rebuild you need to go for them and i'm going to use a baseball example i'm sorry this is a football show but i think this is a perfect chance to bring this up last year at the trade deadline juan soto for you, everyone listening that is not a big baseball fan juan soto is one of the best players in the league he's 23 or 24 years old he's super young he became available and 
every team should have been lining up to trade for this guy, regardless where they were in their build, because right. a guy like that becomes your franchise player for years to come. And I think that philosophy can translate to fantasy in which if the person in your league's dangling Pat Mahomes, go get him. Just go get like go get them if you want them. If if they're making Jamar Chase available and you have all these assets that you've kind of been gal you know gathering all year and making trades and kind of doing one for twos and building all these assets and you're looking to kind of build a more well-rounded roster, you know, kind of say YOLO and go get that superstar because once you get that guy, the ancillary players around them theoretically will be better. There's Jamar Chase plus whatever you can fill in at your wide receiver too is probably going to be better than a you know a decent string of wide receivers because Chase yep. has that ceiling. Chase is that type of player. So I think we're kind of lockstep in how we feel about trading for wide uh, or stud players in fantasy. I think we're lockstep on when you should look to trade for studs in fantasy. Now let's talk about some specific players. Let's help our listeners. Let's help all the people in the chat kind of get an idea of what they should be going for. So do you have a target in which you'd like to kind of walk everyone through in which buying? If not, I can get it started as you kind of put the dot your I's and cross your T's here, Mr. All. Yeah, you lead us off. I mean, I think for me, I mean, it's just overarching as many as possible. But I'm going to mm-hmm. I'll think of a specific man. Yeah, so uh, so basically I have two examples of buying superstars. One, you're buying on a guy where his value seems a little down. The other one, the value's all the way, you know, not at its max, but certainly towards the top. So the first guy, uh, Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor. Uh, Jason's on my mind because Jason's sitting here right here with me. But Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor has, you know, set such a high ceiling. He's been so good in his short career uh, in the NFL. But his – Value has kind of gone down, uh, even on player profilers' dynasty ranks. Um, he was firmly at running back one. He has now kind of settled a little bit lower at running back three. So that presents what we like to call a buying opportunity. But yeah. if you're looking to buy this type of player, you're gonna have to put together a serious offer. Like we said in the beginning of the show, you don't want to. You want to make sure you're coming correct. So uh, an offer, a package that I think would get you in the door, it would get you at the seat, it give you a seat at the negotiation table, is a mid-23 first plus a 2022 rookie running back, not name Hall or Walker. And I think right then and there, you're, you're putting yourself in a chance to get a bona fide superstar. And don't be scared. Listen, if, if you're contending or rebuilding the thought of trading you know basically a 23 first and then a 22nd you know a a rookie like Rashad White Tyler Algier James Cook those guys were kind of at the end of round one last year I I think that's okay and I know it's going to be scary but when you get a guy like Jonathan Taylor you also have to remember he's 24 years old great by candidate and like he said giving one of these other rookie running backs like James Cook say Pacheco maybe even plus to get this going, that's what it's going to take. So, you know, that, that's a great starting point. I think, uh, Snowman, you've brought up Josh Allen, anything. I am trading whatever it takes to get Josh Allen. Uh, you know, I thought he would be available in one of my leagues. He's not. Patrick Mahomes ended up being available. So I'm working on that right now. I'm working on that. And when it comes to players like that, uh, you got to bring out, I guess a young quarterback that, you know, can grow. Daniel Jones, I think, is a great, I guess, stepping stone for getting these kinds of trades done right now. I think uh, the way he's played in the playoffs has a lot of people excited. And so if you can do Daniel Jones and whatever other need that this team has, 
then I think you can probably get it done. Like, and I mean, it's got to be someone good too. You know, like Daniel Jones and Devontae Adams to get Josh Allen. Maybe even then some, especially in a super flex. But I'm again, I'm not afraid to pay up for a guy like Josh Allen. Not at all. Or Jonathan Taylor. Okay, great. Yeah. So what, what, he was asking about what would you offer for a Josh Allen? So what would you offer? Daniel Jones and Devontae Adams or, you know, something mm-hmm. of that tier, just like a quarterback who's getting better, a little bit younger, and then maybe an older asset. But I would say specifically cater to the opposing team's needs. So like if they don't need a wide receiver, don't add Devontae Adams at right. one of your running backs or just some picks. But I do really think Daniel Jones is a really good stepping stone right now. I don't necessarily want to be selling him for no QB, but I do want to be using him to get a better QB right now. Right. Okay. No, I definitely, definitely agree there. Uh, would you offer the 101 and Kyler Murray for Josh Allen? Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I and in the, yeah, I, in the league I, in which I lost that on the one hundred and one, it was because the team builder offered Josh Allen for the one hundred and one. So they yeah. they did it the opposite. So it is doable in a league to make sure you get that done. So I talked about going after a, a specific target when their value is a little bit down. Now I want to talk about a target when his value is up, and that's DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is a guy who we both like. We really, really think uh, you know his ceiling has yet to be even scratched. Um, he was wide receiver 24 on a points per game basis this year. But I think you're in the offseason. I think you'd be poised to move a guy like Drake London or Chris Olave, two guys that we love here at Player Profiler. We have them ranked almost in the same tier. Uh, we have 8, 9, 10. So we have Metcalf, London, and Olave. But give me Metcalf. I think his ceiling is high, and I, I believe that his quarterback situation will be better than the other two over the next two to three years. Um so I, that's something that I, I'm looking to do going after a superstar like that. Now, are there any other targets you want to walk through? Are there any other things that you want to talk about DK Metcalf and going about getting a guy like that? I think um, just in general, I mean, I think you could start with DK Metcalf with like Tyler Lockett is a good starting place. Sending another Seahawks wide receiver who historically does about the same on a week to week basis, but, you know, obviously doesn't have the intangibles that our favorite wide receiver in the NFL DK Metcalf has. So, <laughs> right, right. Um, I think a player that is very attainable right now that, you know, this could come back to bite me, but I don't care. I'm not going to bet against it yet is Derrick Henry. Okay. You know, he's um, definitely Derrick Henry is available every single offseason over the last three years. Yeah. He's available. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm doing it. I, I don't necessarily know what I would give because I mean, I feel like I would end up paying up. And, I, and I'm fine with that, to be honest, even accepting mm-hmm. the risk. He, I mean, he blew me away being able to play. I thought this season would be like the one where he fell off and you know Hassan Haskins would be the guy uh but no and so I mean I, I think he's fine I think he's totally fine at least for one more year so I mean probably about the same as Jonathan Taylor starting with a young running back I think that that's what gets dynasty people going mm-hmm. um maybe Rashad White Tony Pollard again we've talked about on trade gods he's again kind of like a Daniel Jones someone I think that you should use for a stepping stone but yep. I think in that case you might be able to get Derrick Henry plus for Tony Pollard especially on. if he goes to a good landing spot in free agency yeah. or yeah. the Cowboys pay him in a way in which they signal to everyone. This is our guy. Zeke may be around to be our, you know, one, our goal line guy, but Tony Pollard is going to be the, the plus 50% opportunity share back on this team. So I like mm. what you talk about there. One last question in terms of trading for superstars before we wrap up 2023 round ones, super, super valuable. Okay. So let's talk about an early pick a 101, 102, 103, 104. 
Are you okay using that as bullets to get you a superstar? Or are you saying, I want those for the rookies? This is the class I'm going to use to draft. If I have the one-on-one and one or two, I'm drafting. Uh, mm-hmm. There are two players I want, like that draft day movie. Uh, what's the linebacker he wants no matter what? Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, what you're talking about, though. The guy I want really badly, and, and this is on me. I haven't done really any rookie research to this point besides just knowing a few names and watching Michigan football. So a guy I really want is just JSN. I'm just not even going to try to say it. <laughs> Jackson uh, Smith and the Jigba. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I like him too. I want him everywhere. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I would use the 102 on him, which might be bold. I don't, I don't, and, I don't know. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's probably, it, it, I think the drafters, I think the rookie draft snobs would say it's uh, a reach. But I mean, when you really look at it in practice, it's probably the difference of the 104 to 102 in one QB in the 106, 107 to 102 in two QB Superflex League. So I, I like that for sure. Uh, me personally, I'm kind of in the same boat. Anything after the 102, I'm using it. I'm definitely yeah. using it to go ahead and get a superstar. If anyone wants to get crazy and dangle, you know, a, a guy who's 25 or younger that's already established in the league, I'm jumping on the opportunity. The 101, 102, I do love me Bijan, who doesn't. So if I'm a team that um, isn't completely running back, Mm-hmm. log jam i'm absolutely going Bijan in the 102 i like gibbs i like jameer gibbs but i also love jsn and i think jsn is going to be one of those guys where throughout the process he's not going to be as fast as some of the others he's going to lose a little bit of hype and i think that mm-hmm. that's going to present such a great opportunity to either buy a pick that would be uh jsn or jsn himself right after the draft so i think we're kind of locked up there that we're really reserving the 101 102 getting super hyper attached to those the rest they're up in negotiation. So if you have any type of superstar that you're looking to buy, come to me and Jason. You know, we're in the Discord. We're on Twitter. You can come find us. Ask for some advice if you'd like just to ping pong some ideas uh, because it can get a little nerve-wracking. I know when I'm making a big trade, I look, I exhaust my sources. I text my friends. I'll text Jason. He can attest to that. I will text him. Be like, yo, man, what do you think of this? You, you like the ping pong, and we're here for you guys. So. Make sure it's just another reason to join the Player Profiler Discord, Player Profile backslash chat, or hit the icon on the player pages on playerprofiler.com. Before we get into the homework assignment, because you know, even though I got my I got my boy here, got guess we're still giving you some homework. You gotta get homework if you're gonna game plan properly. But I gotta talk to everyone about sleeper. Because if you play Dynasty, and I'm sure you do if you're watching this very show. You have to move your leagues to sleeper. It's easy. It's clean. It's perfect for best ball, dynasty, seasonal, lineup leagues, everything under the sun in terms of fantasy. You want it at sleeper. And not only that, they are now unveiling weekly games, props, for certain players, and the best part about it, it's the players you know best. The players you've rostered in all your leagues, you can now do weekly games involving those guys. And if you want to do any of those things, yeah. we have a promo code for your ass. Use that promo code UNDERWORLD and get a deposit match up to $100. So take all your leagues to sleeper. And if you want to bet on the weekly player props, use the promo code UNDERWORLD and get a deposit match up to $100. So let's move on to the homework assignment. And what I would like each and every one of you to do is, first of all, thank Jason for coming on the show. Thank Jason for picking me up. My internet went bonkos for a couple minutes. 
but I also want you to kick the tires on a specific superstar in your league that you have had interest in for a while. It could be Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Josh Allen, Kenneth Walker, or somebody else. It doesn't matter. Kick the tires. Start the conversation about a trade and use some of the things that you've learned from Jason and myself today and see if you can help make a deal. And if you want to if you want to ping pong some ideas to us, let us know. We will absolutely help you out there, whether it be on Twitter or the Discord. Hit us up. But, yeah, go ahead and try it. Give it a shot. Give it the old college try. Try to get you yourself a superstar. And my final thought, it's an announcement, ladies and gents. If you would like to see what it's like to play in a dynasty league with Jason, myself, and other members of the underworld, now is your chance there are still spots open in the trade gods invitational so just hit me up hit jason up on youtube on twitter on the player profile discord so you can join jason and myself and take us on in dynasty leagues so that's going to be a wrap on episode 20 before jason and i say goodbye jay tell the fine folks listening where they can find all of your great content at J underscore football wine on Twitter. That's my handle. And then the Roto Underworld Instagram. Mm-hmm. Always there. Always there. And then uh, the Discord. The Discord Trade Gods on Thursday. Don't forget Trade Gods. Don't forget Trade Gods. It comes out every single Thursday. We are going all throughout the offseason. We're going to start having guests there too. It's going to be great. Uh, the game plan will come every single weekend throughout the offseason. I'm going to have awesome guests on. If you like the format, I'm thinking we kind of do a big picture topic, kind of a back and forth discussion, and then something specific. If you like that, let me know. If you want to see something else or a specific guest, let me know that too because it's the reason why we do this each week is because of each and every one of you that listen and tune in so we want your input please follow me on twitter i am at maddie kiwum follow the trade gods on twitter we're at trade gods ff follow both the player profile of tiktoks that's at player profile and at profile underscore nfl and again join that discord asap if you love fantasy football because we are talking fantasy football all day early day i'll talk to you later keep game planning in dynasty and i'll talk to you next week Peace.